Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 over the week we have focused on the resurrection and what it should mean for us as we live it out and as we believe it today as we find ourselves on good friday we take a look at the gospel found in the resurrection join us abounding grace is up next And again, welcome to our Good Friday edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Today, we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 through 13. It's here that we find the gospel of the resurrection and the significance of this gospel and why it is so vital that Jesus does rise from the dead. As it's been put before, uh, the sacrifice is good, but it's not accepted unless he's risen from the dead. And that's the significance we see today. Won't you join us with this edition of Abounding Grace? Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and the gospel of the resurrection. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You know, all of the allegations raised against the resurrection have all been proven false. I would recommend a book to you by Gary Habermas, The Case for the Resurrection of Christ. But, beloved, you need to remember this. Please understand, if we truly believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, we need no man-deduced evidence of its reality. Don't ever forget that. God's Word is sufficient. He, indeed, is risen. But after the death of Christ, his disciples were so downcast that they lived in fear of the Jews. They met together behind locked doors for fear of retaliation. Everyone fled for his life. They had all said they would not forsake the Lord when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. But every one of them turned tail in that awful hour, and they ran away. 
They were men whose bones had turned to jelly. They were not courageous men at this point. Why? Because they were not believers in the resurrection. Disconsolate, defeated, discouraged. They had given up hope. And they freely confessed when others came and said, We've seen the Lord. They didn't believe them until they personally met with Jesus. First one, and then another, and then a group, and then above 500 of them at once saw Jesus. And that one meeting transformed their lives. Those men without backbone now had backbone that wouldn't bend or break. They were men who instead of being fearful, were utterly fearless. Craven cowards became the most courageous men in the Roman world. And on top of all of that, from the second chapter of Acts, we see them with powers that no other men on earth had. And when, with miracles and signs and wonders as they preached the resurrection, they established its truth. Those were facts that could not begin to be disputed. And that is why in Jerusalem, so soon after Christ was crucified, 3,000 men came to Christ. That's why even a great company of priests became obedient unto Christ. The very people who had been in the lead in demanding His execution were now the people who accepted Him as their Messiah. Why? Because of the evidence of their own eyes and ears. They had the proof that he was risen from the dead. So the apostles were eyewitnesses. And the Jews were powerless to answer their claims. So much so that even the famous Jewish historian Josephus reported the resurrection of Christ as a historical fact. And it led him to say that this man, Jesus Christ, if indeed he was a man, was indeed historically resurrected. And beloved, remember, Josephus was not a Christian. He was a Jew. Now the faith of the resurrection is divinely established. You see, one can actually emphasize, and it's quite scriptural, that Christ died and He rose from the dead. Therefore, we should draw all of our deductions from that. But that's not really how the apostles preached. You know that? The constant claim of the apostles was that God raised him from the dead. Now, here we move from fact to faith. You see, the apostles were witnesses that he lived... They were witnesses that he died, and they were witnesses that he lived again after death. For they met with him, and they walked with him, and they talked with him, and they ate with him. But one thing no apostle ever saw with his own eyes was God raising him from the dead. That's not something, of course, that is visible. That is not a state of, statement of mere historical fact. That is a statement of faith alone. And it's very important because the resurrection is not an inexplicable anomaly. 
the resurrection of Christ is not an exception to the general rule somehow thrown up by nature. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was rather a huge theological statement made by God himself. And that's why the apostles constantly emphasized, don't look for the answer to your queries about the resurrection in the realm of nature. Don't imagine that you're going to be able to explain this because it is a miracle of God. It was God raising Jesus from the dead. Because in raising him from the dead, God was putting that silver trumpet of the gospel to his own lips. And he was sounding forth a blast that would be heard to the ends of the earth. For he stamped the claims of Jesus Christ as true when he raised him from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. And he did exactly as he had said. The Lord Jesus said, I have power to lay down my life, and I have power to take it up again. And he did. And that's why Paul said that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared or determined or marked out to be the Son of God by God Himself. God sent Him forth with this proof. And Christ said who He was. And to prove it, He said God would raise Him from the dead. And on the very day that He said it, that third day from then, God raised Him from the dead. And God stamped his claims on Christ as true. The resurrection tells me we are dealing with God manifested in the flesh. That we're dealing with the second person of the everlasting Trinity. We're not dealing with a mere figure of history, though he was a historical figure. We are dealing with a figure in history who is God. The Lord of creation, the Lord of all history, who stepped down into this world, lived and died, and rose again. Thank God his claims are true. When God raised him from the dead, he also showed the true nature of Christ's death. Our Savior said in John 10, 17, and 18, I lay down my life in order that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. You see, you must understand that in the context of John 10, in which the Lord Jesus is speaking of himself as the good shepherd, he had already said, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in that context, he says, I lay down my life that I may take it again. You see, the resurrection tells us what the true nature of his death was. His death was for his sheep. His death was a willing sacrifice for sin for his sheep. His death was taking upon himself all the guilt, all the shame, all the burden, all the condemnation of all the sins of all of his people from all places in all times, willingly. And when God raised him from the dead, he testified to the efficacy of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That death says the resurrection was not a tragedy. 
It was a triumph. That death was a death to end death. That death was a defeat, a death to defeat Satan. That death was a death to put away sin and His precious blood shed upon Calvary. Did Jesus do what He intended when He died? Did He succeed in the purpose of His heart when He died? Thank God. God raised Him from the dead. And God trumpeted between heaven and hell that He is my beloved Son who did what He set out to do. And we can now stand at that empty tomb and say, there is power in the blood of the Lamb. What a gospel this is that Paul and you and I have. What a glorious truth. Men and women and young people bowed down by sin and woes and troubles. Men and women and young people, but a heartbeat outside the awful, fiery furnace of hell. Here is a message of grace. Christ died for our sins. Thank God He rose again. He is able to save because when God raised Him from the dead, He testified and demonstrated Christ's sovereignty. In Romans 14.9 we read, To this end both died and rose and revived, that He might be Lord both of the dead and the living. God raised Him from the dead to testify He is the Lord of the quick or the living and the dead. He is sovereign over life and death. He has the power of the King of all kings. He has the authority of the occupant of the throne of glory. Thank God today the resurrection of Christ is a fact established historically. But the faith of it is established by God Himself. Oh, that you would fully grasp it today. Because the folly of ignoring the resurrection is also powerfully demonstrated. Follow me now carefully. Christ died and Christ rose and thereby proved that there is another life beyond this. Death is not the end. Death, Christ died and Christ rose and that sets him forth as the great authority on every matter of life and death and eternity. You know, all people have their opinions. Religions all have their various schemes, their philosophers and outrageous notions. But there is only one who came into this world and said, I live, I will lay down my life, no man will take it from me, no man can take it from me. Look at the number of times when the Pharisees sought to lay hands on Jesus. They sought to kill him, and every time they failed until Jesus gave up his life to them. Because he said, I live, I lay down my life willingly, sovereignly, I will take it up again, and on the very day, and on that very day that I have decreed. Now, let me refresh your memory. He is the only one in history of this world who has ever done that. The only one. You know, you can set aside all of your religions. You can set aside all of your psychology, all of your philosophies, and all of your theories. There is only one who has the right 
to talk to us about the real meaning of life and the real meaning of death and the real truth about eternity. There is only one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I say unto you, this is Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12, Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Israel and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, that is Satan's kingdom, shall be cast out into eternal darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here's Christ talking and he says, there is life beyond this. This is not a matter for philosophers to discuss. It's done. Christ has put the final period to the entire discussion. There is nothing more to be said. Yet some people are crazy enough to be trusting their immortal souls to some university professor or some philosopher or some aberrant religious leader. And they are all fools, utter fools. What do they know about death? What do they know about what lies beyond the grave? What do they know about eternity? When you have died and gone to hell, it will be too late to consider then that you followed as a blind man, another blind man. I want to tell you today, there is one who has brought life and immortality to light. There is one who knows life and death and eternity. The Lord Jesus says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Oh, the folly of ignoring the resurrection of Christ. Because that very Christ, risen from the dead, whom so, so many easily ignore, is the one who shall be judge of all. You see, Christ cannot ultimately be ignored any more than death can be ignored. You may live as if you will never die, but that doesn't change the fact that you are going to die. You may live as if you are never going to meet Christ, but that does not change the fact that you will meet Him. God says, Paul hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. My friends, here is the answer to that, the resur- that the resurrection gives to every seeker. The fact that the resurrection is historically established, the fact that the faith of the resurrection is divinely established, And then the folly of ignoring the resurrection is powerfully demonstrated in Scripture. And it will haunt you. It will haunt you throughout the Christless ages of a lost eternity. If you do not have faith in it and you do not rely on its power. But the resurrection provides something else. It provides an assurance for every saint. The empty tune is the gospel of blessed assurance to the people of God. Let me list just a few things of which it assures us. It assures us of our justification. Romans 4.25, he was delivered for or on account of our offenses. He was raised again on account of our justification. 
as Paul put it in those often quoted words of Romans 8.34, he who, he who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, yea, rather, that is risen again. It assures us of our justification. Go to that empty tomb. The God body of Christ was buried there, and it came forth. A great miracle of the ages. But I want to tell you that miracle produced another miracle. Because with his body, our sins were buried there and they never have resurrection. Let it sink in. He was raised again, not to produce or procure our justification, but because He had procured it. The empty tomb is again the assurance of God to His believing people that your sins are buried beyond resurrection. Then His resurrection assures His people that He is our advocate. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, who is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He is able, said Paul in Hebrews 7, 25, to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. We can say with John in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Christ risen, beloved, is our advocate. His resurrection assures us that He is all-powerful. There's a glorious hymn, you know, that says, I am He that liveth and was dead. Behold, I live, I am, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. I live, and I have the keys of death. He said, all power has been given to me in Matthew 28. My friends, realize that means that that hand stretched out in invitation is the hand that holds the keys to death. There are, I'm sure, at least a million ways to die, a million ways to eternity. Let me tell you, the hand that turns the key of death every single time is the hand of Jesus Christ. That hand that exalts you to the throne of God or hurls you into hell is the hand of Jesus Christ. He has all power in heaven and in earth. His hand assures his people that those who sleep in Jesus are safe. And thank God, we will meet them again. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow, not as others who have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, them also that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Death is not the end for anyone, but especially for the people of God. Death is but the entrance to his immediate presence, to that day of glorious resurrection when we are clothed in an immortal body, clothed with a glorified body, made like unto Christ, and we'll be with him. And what a day that will be. And that is the assurance of the resurrection. Why would anyone be anything but a Christian? Why would anybody serve anyone but Christ? Why would anyone live or die rejecting such a great Savior? Let me finish by saying... This resurrection gives us an argument for every hearer, an argument for sinners to repent, and an argument to, for saints to be holy. 
time doesn't allow me to pursue this. But I want you to hear me today. Christ is risen. And that is real. From his throne in glory. Pointing you to his cross and to his empty tomb. He commands you and I first to repent and be converted. And if you are saved, he commands you to be holy. And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then that same self-spirit will quicken your mortal body unto holiness of life. May God help us to have the answer that he gives to every seeker, to bask in this assurance that he gives every believer, and to heed the argument that he presents to every hearer. Come, hear, and believe, and your soul shall have an eternity with the resurrected Christ. He indeed is risen. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Mm